Kurt, can you present your patient? The patient is a 53-year-old postmenopausal woman. It's remarkable. She's had severe cerebral palsy and lives in a nursing home. Two years ago, a caregiver noted a mass in her right breast. He measured 3 by 2 centimeters. On biopsy, it was grade 3 infiltrating ductal carcinoma. She had 13 mitotic figures per 10 high-powered fields. He was positive for estrogen receptor 70%, progesterone receptor 40%, and it did not overexpress her too new. A sentinel lymph node biopsy was negative, and she, other than the cerebral palsy and the spasticity, she really did not have other significant medical problems. Now you were taking care of her at that time? At that time, her sister was one of the CCU nurses, and she stopped me, and this is how I wound up getting involved with her care because of her sister. How was her speech? Were you able to communicate with her? She's a truly remarkable lady. Her speech is difficult to understand. You can sort of understand it. Her family gets her very well. And she is intellectually active. It's hard for her to read, but she listens to books on tape, often you know, very deep authors, and talks about them. She manages all of her own affairs, of course, with physical assistance, but intellectually is the equal of any of us. And she was a very, very active participant in her own care. So, Chuck, any caveats about using, for example, chemotherapy in a patient like this in terms of her cerebral palsy? I would certainly be concerned about using chemotherapy, especially with a estrogen progesterone receptor positive tumor. I think I would be leaning over backwards to try to avoid chemotherapy if I could. And I would just try not to do it. <laughs> so do you want to kind of bring us up to oh, date sure. with her? We had talked about she elected to have a mastectomy, and just because of the logistics of coming back and forth for radiation. Anisha, I shared a lot of your concerns about chemotherapy and talked to her about it. When we talked about it, she said, well, if you go online and you look, and she said, I'm 53 and I'm postmenopausal, but I'm young. I have no other medical problems, and I think you need to give me chemotherapy. Did you go to Adjuvant online? Actually, we did, and I tried to present her with that data because she did have a T2, and she did have a high-grade lesion, so she fell into the group that would have more rather than less benefit from chemotherapy. I treated her with docetaxel and cytoxin, and she didn't blink an eye. Her counts would go down and come back up. She had no increase in spasticity, no problems. And upon completion of that, I put her on an astrazole. And again, she did very well until recently. So how long was she on the anastrozole? She was on the anastrozole for two years. Can you bring us up to sure. date? And then just on a routine follow-up, I noticed that she started having elevation of her liver transaminases. I did a CT scan, and she had a 1.5-centimeter lesion in the liver, which was very, very deep and right next to the hepatic vein. In addition, there's a 1-centimeter mass in the pancreas. At this point, her CA2729 was 140 with normal of less than 35. We actually did a fine needle aspirate of the liver lesion, and it was positive for malignancy, but it was felt to be significantly different from her previous breast cancer. It was positive for CK7, negative for CK20. It was negative for estrogen and progesterone receptor. And the pathologist raised the question whether she had a new GI malignancy rather than breast cancer. We biopsied the pancreas, 
and it was just cystic fluid. It was benign. She had an upper and lower endoscopy, which were negative. Her CA-199 was 800, with a normal being about 40. And at this point, I really wasn't sure what to do, so I asked her to be seen up in Boston for a second opinion consultation. They took a look at her. They reviewed the pathology. In fact, they felt that it was consistent with breast cancer. They redid the ER and PR and found them to be positive. Because this was her only site of disease, because it was very deep, they recommended treatment with tamoxifen. And is that what she's on now? Well, that's when it gets interesting. We treated her with tamoxifen, and six weeks later saw her in follow-up, and she now had rather severe right upper quadrant pain for the first time. Her liver transaminases, which were elevated about one and a half to two times normal, were now greater than five times normal. Her bilirubin was six. A CT scan confirmed the presence of not single, but multiple metastatic lesions. And we were faced with the question of what to do. For the first time in her care, she was really quite ill, and this was unusual for her. We then faced the question of sort of what to do. Because of the elevated bilirubin, we were really constrained as to our treatment possibilities. We went back and forth and thought about it, and I treated her with single-agent paclitaxel at 75 milligrams per meter squared. After the first treatment, she developed febrile neutropenia, required hospitalization, was severely ill, But as she recovered, all of a sudden, the liver transaminases dropped like a rock. Her bilirubin fell down to one. It was normal. And we've treated her, and she has recovered her former really excellent, for her, her excellent quality of life. Her numbers have all dropped. She's tolerated weekly treatment, three weeks on, one week off. And we have a CAT scan due next week, and I have every reason to believe that it will reflect the clinical response that we've seen quite a saga. What's it been like, you know, taking care of her? It sounds like you have a pretty close relationship with her. She's one of the most inspirational people I've been with. She has pushed me to treat her much harder than I ever would. And I think it's hard. I think people very often dismiss her because she doesn't verbally communicate. But I've really grown to love her very much and have the relationship with her that I do with other very intellectual patients. We talk about books. We talk about movies. She'll bring new research to my attention. And she's able to, even though she can't do very much, she has a motorized wheelchair. She can do it. She can access the web. She and her family will spend the vacation in Disney. Ruth? I think absolutely very appropriate to treat this lady because she's so symptomatic and she's going to run into significant problems. But I think I do agree with you that I think that sometimes we maybe treat ourselves as much as we do the patients, keeping in mind the idea for treating these patients is to prolong meaningful survival for them without a lot of symptoms. So I think that that's true. And I was going to see if Chuck thought that any of this liver pain could have been a flare from tamoxifen. I'm just wondering if you've ever seen it in a liver like this because she got so much better. I mean, I know she had new lesions, but I wonder, have you ever seen that? I've never seen it, but... A long time ago, I published a paper on the use of tamoxifen in purportedly ER-negative disease, and it was published in Cancer, and within that paper, I put in a couple of anecdotal cases of patients where it appeared as though tamoxifen stimulated tumor growth, and the reviewers axed it out of the paper. 
but I was sure that these ladies actually had stimulation of tumor growth. And for the most part, these were not patients who were truly ER negative. They're patients who, back in the femtomol era, were probably patients who had borderline low ER and had other reasons. So I do think that tamoxifen-stimulated growth does occur. I do believe that I've seen it clinically. We know that it occurs in the laboratory, and that's a really tough act to follow. What you've done with this lady and what she's done with herself is absolutely amazing. With the hepatic dysfunction having resolved, they have the whole panoply of choices. I'm interested in the idea that it could have stimulated it. I must say, when they recommended tamoxifen for visceral disease, I said, well, okay, you know, they, you know they're sort of the bright guys, so that may not have been what I've done, but right now it's kind of hard to argue with success. Would you want to come in with some more hormone therapy at some point, Chuck, fulvestrin, for example? I would probably consider it at another point. I don't know that I've seen flares with drugs like fulvestrant or with the aromatase inhibitors, but I'm sure that I've seen it with tamoxifen, and you certainly can see it with high-dose estrogens. And I think if we believe that that's what it was, it probably means that her ER access is intact. So I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to think about maybe aromacin or fulvestrant once you get her stabilized. That would be interesting whether you go back because she got chemotherapy mm-hmm. and she was treated with anastrozole, right. then progressed. Now, whether tamoxifen chemotherapy, would you then go back to an AI? I think exemestane would be reasonable because there's not complete cross-resistance between the non-steroidal and steroidal AIs. And like Chuck said, I think there may be a little bit of data in preclinical models saying that fulvestrin can stimulate cancers to go I mean but it's pretty weak not like tamoxifen but there certainly isn't any with the aromatase inhibitors so I think that if you got her stabilized and you weren't concerned that she was going to get into trouble I think exemestine would be not an unreasonable thing to think about.